Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tribe Podcast. Today is going to be a blast because I have my sweet friend Rachel here and we are going to talk about mental health and what it looks like to overcome and live a life that glorifies God. Rachel, I love your story and your heart and I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for asking me to be here today. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so I know y'all are enjoying the weeks where we have a guest speaker, and honestly, it brings me so much joy to introduce my friend Rachel. She is the worship leader at our church, but she is so much more than that. Rachel pours into our high school students and is a faithful and loving wife and friend. So let's get started because this is such a relevant topic right now. Rachel, tell our listeners a little bit about how you were raised and how that laid a foundation for you to love the Lord. Sure. Um, I have to agree with you that this is a relevant topic, so I'm really excited to jump in and just talk a little bit about it and uh, just see what God has planned for for your listeners and for everybody out there. Um, I think growing up, I've always, always been in the church. My dad is a pastor. Uh, When I was born, he was in youth ministry. And then four years after that, he went into uh, being senior pastor and he's been a senior pastor ever since. So we we were in Kentucky for a little bit. Then we were in North Carolina for a little bit. And then we moved to South Carolina where my dad started what is called a live Wesleyan church. And that's the church that he still pastors. Uh, But most of my upbringing and spiritual growth and just kind of discovering who I am in Christ took place at Alive. Uh, It has a special place in my heart. I'm very, very close with my parents. Uh, My dad loves the Lord. My mom, she's a physician. She also loves the Lord, and she's always been a big prayer warrior. So I've, from a very early age, I remember watching my mom and dad get up in the morning and read their Bibles and just spend intentional time in the Word or in books about spiritual growth and uh, specifically time in prayer, whether it was together or uh, just them and God. That was such an impactful thing for me growing up, uh, especially now, now that I'm trying to create my own time with the Lord and I'm trying to figure out my own walk with the Lord. That is such a representation for me. So my parents had just such a monumental role in in making me who I am and who I am as a Christ follower. My mom always had these prayer cards that for each of her children. Oh, yeah. So she had a a card with each of our names on it and she would scribble on these cards just over the years, things to pray about. And, um, this is kind of funny, but there was like a list of, uh, ex-boyfriends on my cards and each of their names were like scratched off (laughs) so she was praying for each relationship anyways that's just a fun little tidbit but she but anyways they're they're just so prayerful such loving parents so that's definitely where my foundation was laid was with the home I was brought up in and the church that I grew up in That's so good. There are moms listening to this podcast today that needed to hear this and just be encouraged that the effort that they're putting into laying a foundation of Christ for their kids is so worth it. And you're a walking example of that because of your parents' faith and the way that they cultivated that environment for you. Mm -hmm. When would you say worshiping the Lord through music became a part of your life? Oh, man. So I've always been... I would say I've always been kind of musical. Uh, I grew up, you know, in elementary school. I got to do little like choirs and choruses and stuff like that. And then uh, really when I got into high school, I started singing kind of like in my own time, like in my room and just singing like sad girl music. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like most of my... uh, that was most of my like music experience. And then uh, my worship leader from back home uh, at the time, it was, his name was Jeremy. And he, he kind of said, Hey, like, I know you have a voice. Do you want to like use it in the church in some capacity? I was probably like 14 or 15 when this happened. And um, I started learning how to play guitar and piano and, and stuff like that. And he pulled me into our youth ministry there where I started leading worship for our youth band 
And that was a big step for me because I did not like being in front of people. So I look at you now. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where where the music aspect started. But but yeah, I love that. So I love worship and I've done many studies on it just kind of studying God's word. And what I've learned over time is that worship is so much more than just music and singing. It's the posture of our heart and it's a way of resting in the goodness of God. It's Mm -hmm. knowing and also believing that he is faithful and trustworthy and that we can rely on him because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of worship is that it takes our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and places our eyes on God. And worship is all over scripture. We read about how God blessed Abraham for the way that he sacrificed and worshiped God. It was an act of obedience and God was pleased by that. In the same way, our worship is an act of obedience. It's an opportunity to tune out all of the noise from the world and come together in a way that truly glorifies God. And it puts all of our attention on him and his greatness. And it's powerful and humbling. Mm -hmm. When God called Moses to build a tabernacle, Moses was faithful to finish the project. And I believe part of this is because he knew how important it was to God. God wanted it because it was his desire to be close to the people and to create an environment where worship was possible. He created an opportunity for them because he loved them. And God was so specific in his instructions and in the time that he took to ensure that the tabernacle was built to his vision and his standards. And once Moses was faithful and obedient and finishing his work, God dwelled in it. He covered and he filled the tent and it was God's way of dwelling for his people. So we know how important worship is to God. Okay, I get really excited about worship, but to get us back on track here, (laughs) Rachel, talk a little bit about how mental health and your calling in life have overlapped and what that journey has looked like for you. Sure, absolutely. And I'll start out too, just to add on what you were just saying. That's such a beautiful description of worship and what it is. And I think there are, you know, there are many forms of worship and telling your testimony and giving testimony to God is a form of worship in and of itself. Yeah. And so for me, this is worship. And I tell my team every weekend what we get to do by what we're doing is we're facilitating an environment. Mm -hmm. We're creating an environment kind of like what you said, Uh, with Moses and the tabernacle, we're creating an environment for people to walk in from, you know, either the worst week of their life or the best week of their Mm -hmm. life, and they can come in and hopefully connect with God. So we are privileged to be able to be those facilitators and those people creating that environment. Because as someone who really connects through music and through song and worship to the Lord, um, it's, it can be a very meaningful thing to have someone hand you a moment where it's like, Hey, here's this moment. Commune with God. He yeah. wants to be with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to, he wants to heal you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, worship, it means a lot to me as well. And I just, I just absolutely love what you just had to say about all of that. But, um, I'm going to transition a little bit just into my journey with anxiety and just how that has played into where I am now, uh, doing what I am now. I still don't know how I am where I am and why I'm, or how I'm doing what I'm doing, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what I know to be true. Um, my biggest struggle with mental health has always been anxiety. Anxiety has been a part of my life since I can remember. Um, it's genetic. I get it from my dad. So thanks dad. Appreciate that. <laughs> I I joke with him all the time. I'm like, thank you so much for this gift you've given me. Um, But uh, ever since I was little, I've, I've struggled with, with anxiety. It's always been um, fear. When I was little, I really struggled with sleep. I remember just, I mean, the majority of my elementary school slash middle school days, I would every night sleep was like a battle for me. I would stay awake for hours or I just wouldn't sleep at all. Um, and I just remember being awake with fear, mm-hmm. just like this dark, oppressing fear. 
and I didn't know how to get rid of it or what to do with it. And I remember that period of time being very challenging for not me, only me, but for my parents. Uh, and I've learned that more as I've grown up as well. Just they they didn't know how to help me and they wanted to help me. And one thing that they would always do, especially my mom, I remember having several conversations with her where she would say, you know, Rachel, the Lord is taking care of you. He is here for you. And I remember she gave me a verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which has been like the mantra for my life. And every moment of anxiety I have, I I say this verse out loud. It's don't worry about anything. Instead, tell God about everything. Ask pray, give thanks to him. Then God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds because you belong to him. God's peace can never be completely understood. Mm. And I used to read that every night. Like I had this little like hot pink Bible when I was little and I would open it in my bed. And I remember reading this and I was just bathing in that truth of like, God is here. He's taking care of me. I maybe didn't know what that meant at the time when I was eight years old. But uh, I was still meditating in that truth. And Mm. that was my mom who was like, hey, here's some truth. Wallpaper your mind with it. Um, So anyways, that journey was happening. I would, they sent me to uh, counseling a couple times. Uh, I remember being shown like a lot of pictures and just like asked to say things about the pictures. And and I don't know, uh, it helped me in the long run because I learned some like little tips and tricks I could do to go to sleep. Mm. That was the biggest thing was learning how to get to sleep. And uh, so that's that's a lot of my memory from childhood is just that battle with fear and, and the evening time and just dreading going to bed because I was afraid and I mm. couldn't sleep. Um, so fast forward a little bit. In high school, my mental health uh, was managed very poorly uh, by no fault of anyone but my own. Uh, I chose to cope with my anxiety in unhealthy ways. At this time, sleeping had kind of become okay. Like it was something I kind of learned how to do through counseling and all of those other things. And uh, I chose to cope with my anxiety through uh, self-harm. And I chose to cope with it through skipping meals. And I I, I wouldn't say this is a part of my story that I like want to focus on or anything, but like I know that doing those things was a way for me to feel like I was in control Mm -hmm. when really I was out of control, if that makes sense. Because that's what anxiety is, is feeling like you're out of control and then obsessing over it. Yeah. So those kind of coping mechanisms that I used, skipping meals or self-harm or whatever it was, was a way for me to feel like I was in control of something. Mm. And um, I lied and I was hiding things from my parents uh, and other people who loved me. We had a great community down there and in South Carolina where I'm from. And so many people loved me and would have been there for me to help me. But I shoved them all away. Um, And then another way I chose to cope during that season of life in high school was uh, with music. So I would... Uh, close myself in my room for hours at a time and I would just which was isolating so it wasn't healthy but I I played so much music I sang so much um and throughout that entire period God was so merciful to me um and only by his grace my parents ended up finding out about my my issues that I was hiding and uh that was the best thing that could have ever happened Mm -hmm. because Someone knew and someone, you know, they, they could help me. Yeah. And You're taking what was in darkness and bringing it to light. Literally. Yeah. Literally that. And, um, and of course, at the time, for me, it was like the worst possible thing that could have happened because I thought, you know, I wanted to be in my own private world. And when you're a teenager, too, you're you're angsty and you want to be, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out yourself and you don't want your parents involved. And, like, that's just part of being a teenager. Um, but I was so grateful in the long run that they ended up finding out. Um, but those high school years are kind of a blur for me, but somewhere in the middle of that season is when my worship leader at the time, Jeremy pulled me aside and asked me if I'd consider leading that youth worship team. Uh, and my first reaction was like, absolutely not (laughs) because I don't sing in front of people. I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to, that's, that's not 
I mean, I was like, I kind of play guitar. I kind of sing. I would prefer to do it in my room and sing like sad girl music. Like I was telling you about. (laughs) And, um, and so I told him, you know, I would think about it. And then I think it was like a week after that, I went to youth camp and I wasn't even really, I would say I wasn't really even seeking an answer on this. I was just kind of like, I'm just going to go to camp and I'll think about it when I get back. But I remember a very clear moment I had with the Lord at that camp where I just felt like God was telling me that I have a gift and he was like, you are going to use it for me. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if it was a vocational. I, I didn't, I didn't even really think about it in the moment. I was just like, okay, God, like what is, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to do anything like whatever. And that was the first time I ever felt like he was saying like, I will equip you. Mm. And, uh, you will see that 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 does happen. And you know, like that moment is so powerful to me. It's such a representation of like, I feel like everyone's relationship with God, we're always, you know, it's easy to say, God, I can't do this because I don't have the resources or I don't have the abilities or whatever. There's always going to be a, I can't do this because, Mm. but God will raise his hand and say, you know, like, uh, I'm the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. I will equip you. Mm -hmm. I have the resources. So, uh, that was a, that was a profound moment for me at that camp when I knew God was going to use this music, this worship in some capacity. And that was before I was on a stage Mm -hmm. at a church. So I came back, I I told Jeremy, yes, I will do this. So he came alongside me, led me into that season and he taught me everything I knew, uh, taught me how to lead, taught me how to talk to the people, taught me how to, uh, work with a team, a band. Um, and over that season, it was probably junior, senior year of high school. I was leading this team. Uh, and I began leading in adult services here and there, uh, for specials and whatever. And then I led at a district conference one time, which was when all of the Wesleyan churches would get together and they would have this meeting. And so I got to lead all these pastors, which was a huge honor for me at the age of 16 or 17. Um, So I got to lead a song there. And people at this point in time were beginning to affirm a gift in me. Um, And they began to ask me, you know, are you going to school for this? Are you going to school for ministry? And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) And um, I can remember one moment super specifically. Uh, It was actually after that district conference where my dad, who at the time wasn't super an emotional guy, I would say that has changed now. He's more of a crier now. (laughs) But um, (laughs) he, he came out as I was leaving district conference. I had to go somewhere. And I remember him coming out to my car and just leaning into my car window and was sobbing, crying. Mm. And he was like, said word for word, something along the lines of you are anointed Mm. and you have a gift and you have to use this wherever you go. Mm. And I like, makes me emotional thinking back to that moment because at the time I was like, okay, this is weird. My dad (laughs) has his head in my car and he's crying and I have places to be like, (laughs) and it's just like, But to me, that was such a profound moment that has stuck with me forever because God was speaking through my dad. Mm -hmm. That was an affirmation from the Lord through my dad. And like he he will talk about it and say, you know, that moment for me was not like a father daughter thing. Mm. It was a, you know, I saw the Holy Spirit in you. Wow. And so, I mean, like. It gives me chills. Oh, I mean, I just like, I, I can only shake my head because. I mean, it's, it's God's gift. Mm. So anyways, I took that and I was like, okay, dad, cool. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, fast forward again, I ended up going to school at Indiana Wesleyan university in Indiana, obviously. And, <laughs> and, uh, people asked me, you know, why are you going so far away? But I just felt like I wanted to find some independence. I lived in South Carolina for a really long time and it just felt like the right move for me mm. at that time. And uh, when I went into school, I did not know what I was going to study. It was not music. It was not ministry. 
I knew that for a fact. And so I, I think I studied psychology at one point and then I ended up landing on a communications degree and a theology and philosophy degree. So that was two different things. And if I could go back, I probably would have studied Christian ministry. Mm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I just wasn't there yet. <laughs> um, so at this point, um, I'd been living with my anxiety kind of functionally and nothing had been really like pressing. I was able to live normally. It wasn't debilitating. It was just kind of like something I, you know, shoved to the side or whatever. And I would just say like, Rachel, you're just, oh, my, my mom would always say, you're just being a worry wart. Mm. And so I would just say, you're just being a worry wart, Rachel, or you're just fretting over things. So I just kind of, you know, shove it to the side. That Christmas, so it was the Christmas of my freshman year, I had a monumental shift in my anxiety journey. Mm. And I would say this would begin probably the most challenging years of my anxiety journey up to this point. And uh, I went on this trip. It was uh, it was a follow trip with my home church because we were on Christmas break. So follow is like this conference that uh, all the Wesleyan churches in the country send their students to. So I was going as like a chaperone. And this whole trip, I remember I got on the bus and I just started like shaking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what is happening? And then I, I threw up. And I was like, okay, like this is a... Uh, you know, what's happening. (laughs) And so I thought maybe, you know, it was just like a weird thing. And then we got a couple hours into the trip and I was sick again. And I was like, am I sick? Like, do I have like a virus or something? And you know how much fun it is to be on a charter bus with a bunch of students and (laughs) on a 10 hour journey to begin with. But I was, I was sick. And, um, so this whole trip, I, I was just like, I, I, I didn't feel like I had a virus, but I felt like I was like, almost like I was suffocating. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, there's like a suffocating, like I'm really far from my family right now. Like I'm, I'm at this conference and I can't eat and I can't drink and I just feel like helpless. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I didn't have a fever. There's nothing like that. So I was like, what is going on with me? Like what is happening? And, um, so I came home and I kind of processed some stuff with my mom. And then I was to lead worship at church on that Sunday. And I was sick again mm-hmm. that morning. Like right when I showed up to church, it was just like, boom. Like my heart started beating and then I was sick again. And um, I was like, this is so weird. And, and then I ended up going back to school. And I came back to school and there were several other days where I would just, something random would happen. My heart would start beating really fast. I'd feel like really hot and sweaty and then I would just get sick and it would be like in the middle of nothing, like in the middle of class or in the middle of whatever. And, um, I was like, what is happening to me? So I ended up going and getting a couple tests done and, uh, thought maybe, you know, maybe there's something in my diet. Maybe there's something that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing or something that I should eliminate or whatever. And, uh, there was nothing coming back from these tests. So I was like, great, this is awesome. So, uh, my mom brought up the idea. She's like, I think, what if you're just anxious? Mm. And I was like, I, I was like, in my brain, I was like, I kicked that a long time ago. Like, I mean, no, like that's, that's stupid that I would be like, that's how I felt. I was like, that's stupid that my body would respond this way Mm. or, you know, whatever. And, um, that summer, it was the summer after my freshman year of college, uh, they asked me to lead this middle school camp back home. And I remember that week being just so incredibly hard and I was sick the whole time. I couldn't eat. And that was the biggest battle for me because I was leading this team leading worship at this at this camp and I could barely stand up because I haven't eaten in you know three days or whatever and I remember just like crying on the couch with my mom during that week and I was like why can I not do this like Mm. why is my body responding this way and like what what do I do what do I do to fix this Mm. and that week to me was the first time where I was like okay I need help with this anxiety also 
funnily enough, (laughs) (laughs) I was leading worship this week and uh, God moved at this camp. Mm. And I just like looking back, that was the first time that I had come to accept, okay, God is supplying strength into mm. my weakness. Because here I am at our rehearsals before every every service each night. I was literally sitting in a chair. Mm. And and my team was playing. And I remember them being, like, super concerned about me. And I was, like, so embarrassed. and um, But God delivered. And, like, mm. kids met the Lord. And, like, I mean, that's that's all you could ever want you know, as, as a leader in ministry or any kind of capacity or as a Christ follower is like for people to meet the Lord. And so God, again, sent people to affirm me at that camp and sent adults to me at the, I was probably 18 at this time. And they were like, you led me in worship. Mm. I know you're leading these middle schoolers, but you led me in worship. And I just remember like shaking my head and really just feeling like I just want to go sit down and I want to lay in my bed. I've been throwing up all day. I haven't eaten all week. Like, Mm. um, and so after that, my, my question became, okay, great. So now this is a problem. How do I get rid of it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my college years, honestly, they're all so blurred together just from, different phases of like I'd go through phases where I was okay and I'd go through phases where I wasn't okay and I remember the conversation with my mom where again she's a physician so she was like I think you need medication Mm -hmm. and to me that was a huge L and I was like this is a losing moment for me because Mm. this is me admitting defeat and that's how I felt it was like if I'm taking medicine and I need medicine for my brain I'm crazy Mm. and that's that's what I believed and that's kind of what I adopted. And so I was literally living, uh, I was sick all the time and I was living off the brat diet. Mm. Do you know what that means? I'm yeah. sure you do. Cause you've been pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. Yeah. I was living off that diet. Mm. Uh, I was losing a ton of weight. I started taking this medication. Um, and at that time I felt really crazy and it was a dark place for me because I was like, I am insane. Like, I cannot control my brain and the way it talks to my body. I am insane. And my mind was constantly a disaster of, like, am I going to be ill if I go this place? Am I going to be ill if I do this? Or if I get in the car with these people, are we going to have to pull over so I can get sick? Like, I mean, it's just, like, just this unending cycle and a tornado of thoughts of just worry and illness and... Um, just really dark, really messy. And throughout this whole time, I was leading worship at a really small church. Um, and I remember that being a big light source Mm. because it was something that I could do and something that I felt like I was giving back in some way because I was just living so functionally. And, um, so I started counseling and I would say this is where things began to turn for the better for me. Um, it was my senior year of college. I finally was like, okay, I'm going to counseling. I had tried a couple medications that didn't work. I found one that was really helping me out, kind of take the edge off. Yeah. Um, and I started counseling. And the first thing that my counselor told me, she, you know, you go in, you look at the lady and you tell her all about your problems. And the first thing she did was she looked straight at me in the eye and she's like, you are not crazy. Wow. And I just like broke down (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I was like, I I just, that's, that had been my biggest thing was I'm crazy. I can't control this. I can't control my body. I can't control my mind. And I've just, I've, I've lost all control at this point. And she, uh, she gave me practical things to manage my anxiety. She told me, you know, Sometimes a physical response is like like a panic attack, which is what I was having. Mm-hmm. Is is how your body responds when you when you're when you're experiencing anxiety, and like that's okay, and it's not going to be that way forever. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I had been told that. Wow! And like to think, even that gave my mind some power. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like this forever, because in my brain there's no way out. Mm. And so. Um, that being said, I think everyone should go to counseling. Like, I mean, go to counseling if 
you don't think you need it. <laughs> yeah. Like, arm yourself. Like, wallpaper your mind with truth and mm-hmm. give yourself, you know, practical ways to to manage your life, to manage stress. And um, it, you, you can't do any harm mm-hmm. by doing that. And she taught me about triggers. And she laid out all of these things. We figured out all of these different things that I won't even get into because they're just, you know, that's a whole other thing of mess just a lot of triggers I had Mm. um where she described it to me as like if you're in the middle of a woods and you you know you're walking on this path and there's this beautiful waterfall and you notice the green the thick greenery in the trees and and the dirt is like super brown and like soft and all this stuff and then out of nowhere a bear comes and Mm. attacks you and you escape so that is now a traumatic moment for you. Yeah. (laughs) And she said, now you're walking through the woods again one day and you hear a waterfall that sounds kind of like the waterfall you heard the day you were attacked by the bear Mm. and you get a panic attack. And for me, you know, you're throwing up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you see, you know, you see the same shade of green that you noticed in the leaves that day, The, the bear attacked you. And, and then you, you, you respond again physically. So she taught me this and I was like, okay, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Thank you for putting some like practicality to what is happening in my brain and body. And, um, that was a huge thing for me. And unfortunately, here's where we get back to worship. I learned one of my triggers was being on the platform. Oh my word. So I think that that happened back at that middle school camp where I was sick that whole week. My mm-hmm. brain now tells me you are, you are ill when you do this. Mm. And, um, that's part of the, you know, that's where the genetic issue happens and you have to put medicine into it, which is okay. That's right. That's another thing I want to make sure everybody knows is if you need to take medicine, it's okay. That's right. I and agree. it's not admitting to defeat. It's, it's, if it helps you, it, it, it must happen because mm-hmm. if it makes you functional and you're able to live better and a fuller life, you're living better for the Holy Spirit. So Amen. take care of yourself. Take care of your body. Um, so anyways, platforms became an issue, <laughs> which is funny because, I mean, you get it. You see what I do now. Uh, you would never know that that's a trigger for you. I mean, it, it's wild. God equips the unequipped. That's I'm going right. to say that a million times. But like... Um, so after counseling, um, I, I started doing better. I started doing a lot better. I started kind of not being so sick all the time everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of like specific moments here and there. And after I would get sick or I'd have a panic attack, I would say, you know, okay, I know why I responded that way. Mm-hmm. And that gave me power. That gave me mental power over my circumstances and over my stomach Mm. basically yeah and um so because platforms became a trigger you can imagine I was like okay so now every time I lead worship I'm gonna be ill that's just you know that's awesome (laughs) so um so I again I was like well I'm not gonna be doing that for a while funnily enough the uh during this counseling where I'm figuring out all this stuff um Ken and Serena Murphy our current pastors um, came to Indiana Wesleyan to visit their son and probably to recruit for Cyprus. Um, and, uh, our parents, my parents go way back with them. Ken and my dad went to seminary together. So we had that little connection and they were just lovely people. So they were like, Hey, let's, you know, take Dahum's daughter out for lunch and, uh, just connect with her. So they sent me a text and they're like, Hey, do you want to you know, do you want to go and just grab some lunch and we'd love to take you out. And I was like, sure, that's so awesome. And I just adored them. I thought they were the nicest people. And, um, over the course of this lunch, you know, they're asking me what my plans are. This is the final semester of my senior year. So I was signed up for grad school at that point. That was my plan. And I was going to go be a journalist mm-hmm. and, um, I had it all planned out. I felt good about it. And I was, I felt like I was doing well. Um, and I had my anxiety relatively managed. And then, uh, Ken says, you know, have you ever thought about doing a residency? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and he was like, 
I know that you like lead worship and I know you've done that back home. I've heard you're really good. You, you should think about it. And, uh, I was like, I probably not. And you know, me in my head, I'm like, I literally just got told like you will barf every time you're on the platform. So (laughs) I was like, uh, probably not. (laughs) You're like, thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, he was like, they, both of them were basically like, just come to Cyprus, Mm -hmm. come for a weekend, just come check out a service. Well, we want you to come up. You can come hang out with us at our house and like all this stuff. So I was like, okay, what's the harm? I really want to see Cyprus. I really want to see the church. So if anything, I'm just going to go and I want to, I want to see what it's all about. And I love Ken and Serena. So why not? And I ended up going to this church and, you know, I walked into service and it was a baptism service. Mm. And I immediately, when I walked into the church, I was like, this is amazing. And I like feel the Holy Spirit here. Like this, God is doing things here. This is amazing. I love this church. And as soon as, you know, we got towards the end of service and baptism started happening, I just broke. Mm. But it was a breaking of like, I feel peace here, which was something I had been fighting for for so long. And I felt like, again, back in Philippians 4, 6, God's peace can never be completely understood. Yeah. And that's that's what it felt, felt mm-hmm. like. It was like this peace passes understanding. And at that moment, like, I knew, like, you know, this is my next step. Wow. <laughs> and my brain is running wild. My brain's running crazy because, you know, I've always said I'm not going into ministry. I've always said, you know, I'm, I mean... I'm not going to be on the platform because my body can't handle it. Like, that's just not going to be a thing. And I, and here God is telling me, this is, this is it. Mm. You, you come here and, and that's all, that's all I get. You know, you, you come here and that's, that's the message I left with. Wow. So Serena called me like a week later and was like, so, you know, we want to offer you this residency, which is really funny because at that point, all I had said was no. <laughs> hearing that (laughs) and and so obviously i i accepted it on the phone and i and uh and things just started rolling Mm. and i ended up coming to cyprus and it was just such a peace-filled experience and i will tell you every every first funeral Mm. a couple of the first services every once in a while i would be sick Mm. and in the bathroom right before or I'd have a panic attack and I'd have to leave the room and I'd calm down and but but all the while this is happening and this anxiety battle is happening I still felt peace Mm. and I cannot like I can't even explain to you how it feels like this has been like the bane of my existence is this weight of anxiety and I eventually got to this place of like so what if I'm ill Mm. I'm here and I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm aligned with the will that God has on my life. And I know that he has given me this gift to use for his purpose. And Mm. I am doing that. And anxiety is like, is a small bump in the road. Mm. And that's how it shall be treated. And once I had adopted that, and once I had adopted that frame of mind and re-wallpapered my mind that way, I had control. Mm. For the first time in five or six years. Wow. I had control over, you know, shutting down my brain. Mm-hmm. And and it was an unreal feeling. But to me, it was so much a part of, like, getting to this place where I just knew I was using my gift. And I knew I was right where God wanted me to be. That he was just laying these blankets of peace on me even as I turmoiled with anxiety and thoughts and illness. And, and now, I mean, here I am a year, a couple, a year later, I got hired on and now I've been hired on full-time leading worship at Cyprus for the last three years, Mm -hmm. not including my residency, which was almost a year. So I literally look at my life now. I'm sorry. I've literally talked for so long. This is so good. I love everything you're saying. (laughs) But I mean, the question of like how my journey with mental health is connected with my calling Mm. is like 
every inch of it is connected for me. And now it is just sincere gratitude Mm. for where I am. And just like, it's not something that I don't deal with, but it has so much less power. Mm. Amen. And once you have, once I figured out, you know, I have a purpose, I have a place within the will of God. Like what is more powerful than that? Everybody has that, by the way. Like, I mean, everybody has a purpose and a place within the will of God. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And once I think I truly grasped that and I got surrounded with incredible people, incredible community, Mm -hmm. which is what Tribe is all about, people helped me. Yeah. And, And I truly believed, like, I have power, but the power is the Holy Spirit in me. So I don't have to rely on my own power mm. to do what I do because that's what I thought coming into it. It's like, how am I, how in the world am I going to do this? Like, am, am I going to have to have like a bar station every weekend? Like, <laughs> no, like that's not how this is going to go. Like I, I get to own the power of the Holy Spirit and I get to, honestly, another huge part of it is like, I get to eat food. Yes. Amen. I get to eat the food I want to eat and I get to, I get to feel good. Mm. And that was a huge step for me, too. I think when I came here, I was just so unhealthy. When I came to Columbus, I was so unhealthy. And not, I mean, just because I couldn't eat stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, when I started dating my now husband, uh, I told him, like, I struggle to eat. Mm. And it's just, it's a thing for me. It's part of my anxiety. And I remember, you know, he helped me kind of, take those steps and encourage me. He's like, you know, it's fine. Like if this makes you barf, it's fine. Like we'll deal with it. Like it's totally fine. And even that like encouragement and like that sweet sincerity of like him coming alongside me and joining me in the like, you're not crazy. Like Mm. we're going to get over this together and, and I'm here to help you and be your support. Like again, the community. Um, and I, it's just, I could go on forever about the healing that has taken place since I came here and since I finally said, yes, God, this is what I'm going to do with my life. It's just the the rewards of saying yes and just kind of like on or releasing like your clenched fists. Mm. Surrendering. Surrendering. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect word. (laughs) Surrendering. Yeah. It's just, there's so much freedom in not being in control. Amen. Like, we don't have to be in control. That's right. And that word control is not for us to be concerned with. Mm. That is a God word. That yeah. is a God concerned word. So anyways, that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> well, and one of the things that you've said to me when I've been with you before, and you said it again today, is that God equips the unequipped. Mm-hmm. And I know it's just four words, but I don't want to skip past those four words because they are so powerful. And for Rachel, that's kind of her mantra is God equips the unequipped. So powerful. For me, it's two words. It's but God. Mm-hmm. And then it's a period afterwards because yes. you don't really need anything after that. You mm-hmm. know, whether it's you're struggling with eating or anxiety or broken relationships or just he- overall healing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But God, like that is the answer. And we don't have to be in control. And stay tuned for a future episode on the podcast about control. It's a figment of our imagination. And it, it God is the one in control. We do not have control. So it's about being obedient and it's about surrendering. And one of the things that I love so much about Rachel is her authenticity. It's just really hard to find that in people these days. She is one of those women who walks inside of her story and she uses her past and her struggles to help other people on their walk. I mean, you've heard it today. You're seeing the fruits of her doing the hard work of healing. And we also see it in the way that she faithfully serves and pours into the next generation. So Rachel, tell us a little bit about how fulfilling it's been to be a part of the high school ministry at Cypress and how there's been healing in that journey for you. Mm. Well, uh, it's kind of funny because the way I started in high school ministry was when I came in for my residency, they were like, hey, Rachel, you're going to uh, youth camp. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> and um, I ended up being connecting with these freshman girls who are now seniors and they're about to graduate. Um, but not not just them, but students in general. And, and it just was, I just felt the Lord saying, you know, this is, this is the thing I want you to do. Mm. And at that time, I was like, you know what? I've surrendered my entire plan to you at this point. So my, why not? <laughs> and um, such a huge part of me getting to where I am as far as like worship and music and just my my job is because somebody took me under their wing when mm. I was a student and said, hey, you have a gift. Now use it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and um I I kind of had this mentality of like if I can do that for one person mm. and just like affirm a gift and say you know you're really good at this and um, then I, I want to do that and I think especially for young women I know this I'm sure it's this way for guys too but especially for young women to have a older not your mom mm-hmm. relative or, or or anybody you know. Maybe a relative, but I mean, just to have somebody outside of your immediate family tell you you're good at something yeah. or you are beautiful or you are, you know, encourage you or somebody to just say, hey, I'm here to listen to mm-hmm. you. Please tell me, you know, thanks. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, in high school, I, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have tapped into that resource and and done those things, but I, I didn't. And so if I can be that one person for a girl who says, you know, anxiety is just crippling for me, Mm. like, let's talk about it because yes, it can be that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Wow. And, um, and I mean, I think the understanding that anxiety is not something that you can just, or mental health stuff isn't always something you can just pray away. Right. And like being willing to like jump into the mess with a a 14 year old or a 15 year old and just say hey you know like you're not alone mm-hmm. like you can you can do this and and you're going to be okay like I've learned through my time with students that you can't discount those kinds of interactions yeah and um I, I felt called to be be kind of that voice and mm-hmm. just lift up these kids and say you know you are awesome yeah because you are. Yep. You are literally made in the image of God and you have gifts and talents and you have a purpose. You have a calling on your life. Like, did you know that? Like, yeah. just such an incredible opportunity to be able to do that. And I think watching over the last four years, just the seeds that have been planted and then moments of harvest that have happened have just been unreal. Mm. And I mean, all glory to God in those in those situations, but watching a student realize, you know, I am God's child Mm. is so incredible, especially right now, because in the world is so, they have a tough. Yeah, they do. It's different than when we were younger. Yes. Yeah. And like, you have so many voices, so Mm. many voices. And if you can have one positive voice saying, you are awesome. You're good at this. I love you. God loves you. Mm. Um, is, is, is so important. So I hope that answers your question. It does. Oh, it absolutely does. Good. I think we underestimate the fact that sometimes kids are coming to Cyprus and they just are not hearing you are loved or you are mm-hmm. set apart or, you know, God has a calling on your life and that sort of thing. And we do underestimate like the glimpse of Christ that we can give to somebody. It, we, you and what you're doing with the high schoolers and and what I'm doing with tribe and, you know, a lot of people we know that are faithfully serving and being the hands and feet of Jesus. That is a glimpse of Christ. And these kids Mm -hmm. maybe not getting that at home, you know, or, at school or in their interactions with their friends, right? So it's like you said, just to have one person tell you. Mm -hmm. And I can think back to my childhood. I had people that were telling us, you are different. You've been set apart by God and just encouraging us. And I know now as, you know, a 30-something-year-old mom of three and wife, like that was impactful for me. And Mm -hmm. so you are doing the work. And scripture is so clear about our calling to serve others. 
I have a really deep desire to serve and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. In fact, if we're on vacation or we're out of town when Sunday rolls around, my heart is craving being in the church mm-hmm. and serving the families that walk through our doors. It's just something that God's put on my heart and I feel it so deep in my bones. What I love about serving is that it's one of those things in life that is so cool because we serve to be a light for others. But what often happens in the process is that our hearts are changed and mm-hmm. we grow closer to God because he's doing a work in us as we serve him and we serve our community. Mm-hmm. So Mark 10, 27 says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And when we talk about God equipping the unequipped, that's all of us. We are all unequipped. And if we set out on this journey of trying to accomplish things on our own, it's not going to go the way that we thought it would. But with God, we are able to accomplish things that seem far-fetched or even impossible. And that's why I love hearing these stories, stories like Rachel's where God transforms the painful and oftentimes debilitating circumstances of our lives and he uses them for good. And he does that by making them beautiful again. For those of you that can resonate with any part of this message today, I want to leave you with a final verse. It's found in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and it says, be sober minded, be watchful. And what scripture is really saying is to be mindful and alert. And Peter is addressing anxiety here. I love that we can pick up our Bibles and we can read firsthand what God's word says about the struggles that we're having. And in verse seven, it says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter is reminding us that God is big and good. He is faithful and he's loving and he wants to heal us. He is a strong enough God to take on our anxieties. And I know there's somebody listening today that needed to hear that. Mm. Now, with all of that being said, that's not to say that we don't have to do our part. And I truly believe that God equips men and women to be doctors and administers, you know, of medicine and, Absolutely. you know, checkups. It's just like Rachel was talking about and counselors. I mean, y'all have heard me talk about Barb and my love for Barb and how she has just completely straightened my crown and pointed me to a God that loves me so much and reminding me that I've been set apart. And we have to do our part and use these resources to get healthy. We need to stay prayerful and alert, but we can rest assured that God will take care of the rest. And there's so much peace in that. Y'all, if I had to sum up how I feel about spending time with Rachel, it's (laughs) life-giving. She is one of the friends in my tribe that was very specifically placed in my life by God. She is strong and courageous, and she is a friend who has truly put in the hard work and the time and effort that it takes to heal. She knows what God has done in her life, and she takes daily steps to continue on the path that God has placed her on. I have learned so much about perseverance and courage simply through the way that Rachel lives her life. And I hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that no matter where you find yourself on your journey, God is always there walking alongside of you. Rachel, thank you so much for being here with me today. I know I tell you this all the time, but I am so proud of you, friend. Thank you. I I'm, I'm, love you so much, and I think you're amazing. I think this ministry is amazing. And All I can say is all glory to God. He is good. He is faithful. And wherever you you are at, he will meet you there. And he's got you. Amen. I'm praying for y'all and I'll see you next week.